Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're here with Kathy Bodet and Liz City, authors of the new Harvard Ed Publishing Group book, Meeting Wise, Making the Most of Collaborative Time for Educators, a riff on their previous book, Data Wise. They're both lecturers on education here at HGSE. Welcome, Liz and Kathy. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. So Kathy, you had mentioned that Meeting Wise was a direct result of the feedback that you and Liz had heard from folks as they started the data-wise process in their districts. Um, share a little bit with us on the genesis of how this new book came to be with a brief history of what data-wise is as well. Uh, well, data-wise came about because schools and uh, districts around the country are just struggling with piles of student data and they, they need a strategy for how to use it to improve instruction. And we found that as we offered a step-by-step -step process for doing that, pretty much everything we recommended people do needed to take place in a meeting. Um, so whether you're going to be looking deeply at uh, standardized test results or talking about student work, um, especially if you were going to be um, discussing what you saw when you did a classroom observation, all of that um, took place in meetings. And the feedback we were getting from the field was that uh, there wasn't a straightforward, uh, maybe not even straightforward is the way to say it, there, there just weren't um, uh, norms around how to have great meetings. And so we decided that in order to help people bring um, the habits of mind of um, intentional collaboration and a real commitment to, to action and um, focusing on evidence that we could make a contribution if we gave them some guidance around how to make their meetings more effective. And hence, Meeting Wise was created. Uh, Liz, the, the first chapter in the book is Why Focus on Meetings? And given that meetings are an everyday occurrence like dinner, why do we need a book about them? What are we doing wrong on this front? Or what are some of the biggest challenges that you sort of observed? Basically, you can ask anyone what makes a great meeting, and they can tell you what makes a great meeting. And then you can ask them, so are all the meetings you go to great? And people will look at you like, no, <laughs> I don't like to go to meetings. And so we essentially see meetings as an untapped, underutilized lever for improvement of education. So instead of dreading going to meetings, imagine if you looked forward to every meeting and you saw every meeting as an opportunity to improve learning for both adults and children. So as Kathy was talking about data-wise, our big aha was people didn't need help using data nearly as much as they needed help working together. And so we said, you know what, this is one of those things everybody kind of knows, but we don't really do. So is there a way to help people move from kind of knowing what it could be to just doing it as a regular part of their practice? And I mean, we almost started with ourselves because uh, we knew what great meetings were. And in our own meetings, we noticed, gosh, you know, why do we run overtime today if we know full well that um, we always overpack our agenda? So we started trying to make our own meetings better, which I think got us going. Now, in setting up the structure of the book uh, to make meeting time more effective, you include a checklist, and that sort of compartmentalizes the planning and the structure of meetings into four Ps, purpose, process, preparation, and pacing. I'm curious, can you both explain how breaking things down this way helps educators make better use of time? Um, I think the, the important thing is we wanted the checklist to be manageable for folks. Uh, and we knew that there were lots of different components that affected the quality of our own meetings. And we thought that it would be easier for people to hold on to them if they could see them in those kind of buckets. 
So, and I don't know about anybody else, but I can't really remember more than three or four things. So even though the checklist, we tried to get it down to three or four things, and we said, you know, meetings are more complicated than that. So the checklist has 12 items on it. Mm -hmm. We thought, okay, if you could only remember three or four things, what would they be? All right, purpose. I need to know why I'm meeting. Uh, all right, process. All right, pay attention to how you're having people meet together. And by the way, preparation, make sure that you utilize the fact that people could come having done something before they get to the meeting. And then pacing, probably because it's the thing I'm worst at, but also because it's one of people's biggest complaints. Uh, meetings too slow or too long or that kind of thing. And so, you know, they just happen to be four Ps, makes it a little easier to remember. So you, you guys write about the different roles that individuals need to assume to make a meeting successful, including a facilitator, a timekeeper, a note taker. And I'm curious how you respond to those who might think this makes the process of meetings maybe too formalized or that it reduces the spontaneous exchange of ideas within the group or changes dynamic. What, how do you respond to that? Well, I think one thing we've learned in our experience is that a little structure actually frees people up for the exchange of ideas. It, it helps everybody know, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? How can I engage in this? And especially having a facilitator when you have more than two people meeting, just it doesn't mean the person is heavy handed. It just means, you know, facilitate comes from to make easier. It's that person's job to make it a little bit easier to achieve the purpose of the meeting. Yeah, and I think that it also is really helpful when the group knows when they're expected to talk and when they're expected to listen. And it can be uh, that, that extra structure of knowing, okay, now the facilitator is kind of bringing things to a close, now I'm um, expected to, to say something, allows people to participate more effectively. So the title of the book indicates that MeetingWise is geared towards making the most of collaborative time for educators. And I suspect other sectors could also benefit from learning these guidelines and following them. Am I wrong in thinking that these issues on the effective use of time and how to make meetings more effective are broadly applicable outside of education? No, I think just about everybody I know doesn't like to go to meetings most of the time. We actually thought about whether to make the book, you know, for anybody to use. And we realized, you know what, business folks, they have some meetings some meetings books already. That exists out in the world, but we weren't aware of any that were really catered to the challenges that educators have. So I think I think the checklist is widely applicable. I think the little twist we put on it is, you know, our business is about learning. And so meetings should be about learning too. They should be about helping make sure that children learn on, as a product of your meeting and that the adults are learning within it. And I think that is a little different from how some other industries think about meetings. Now, although I've talked with quite a few people this summer, um, especially lawyers and people in business, who are like, can, can I, oh, and a friend of mine who's a doctor, can I just see that book? Because they're, they feel like um, they can probably take some stuff. And I think at that level of the checklist, the answer is probably absolutely. There's not much in there that is very education specific at the level of the checklist. Um, but as Liz said, our examples, we try to draw on um, a range of educational settings and not just schools. I mean, there are so many different kinds of meetings that take place in the education sector. There are meetings happening at the state policy level. There's meetings um, happening in education nonprofits or other organizations that are meeting virtually over the course of several years. Um, and there's parent-teacher conferences happening. So it's uh, 
education itself is actually a pretty broad category when you think of all the different kinds of meetings. So now knowing what time of year it is as the summer ends, uh, curious, final tips for educators on when they do start this school year, how, uh, how are they going to start off the school year using principles of MeetingWise and, and putting together that sort of perfect meeting? Aside from buying your book, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not strive for perfection on day one. I mean, I think one of the, the big things we try to get across is the power of, of taking small steps toward the big goal of having great, perfect, whatever meetings all the time. Um, and so I think the most important thing is having it not be one person sort of sits at home, reads the book, and decides that they're going to just try to um, strong arm everyone else into doing it, but more a group of people starting to get a shared sense, yeah, there's some room for improvement in the way we meet, and maybe committing to a few things they do to, to step into the water. I don't know, Liz, do you think that's uh, too incremental? Uh, no, I think, I think this this is an incremental thing. This book is not meant to radically shift the way we think about learning and teaching. This book is meant to help people do their job a little bit better tomorrow so that they can do better on behalf of kids. So I would say that you know, pick one thing or two things is a, is a great way to start. I also think just picturing what does a great classroom look and sound like, and then imagine if your meetings looked and sounded more like that and hold that in your head and then just get really clear on the purpose why are we meeting and how would we organize to do that those would be my tips mm -hmm. and i think it'll almost take care of itself in terms of if people start to uh, make adjustments to their meetings and start to enjoy them more or get more done um, it can sort of take on a life of its own. I mean, we've talked with uh, lots of educators who get back to us a year later and they say, we're having whole different kinds of conversations in our school now. Um, and uh, I think sort of having faith that getting started um, without putting too much pressure on it um, can have big impact. Speaking of pressure, you know, it's like a fashion designer writes a book about fashion design. And everyone expects that fashion designer to always look fashionably, always look good. Every meeting you guys go to from now on, there's gonna be the pressure. That's gonna be a pretty <laughs> darn good meeting from the two of you. You guys okay with that? Yeah, I'm much more comfortable with that than being on tap for fashion. So I think it's probably, <laughs> I think it's probably good we wrote the book about meetings. Uh, last question, where can, they, where can people get the book? Our friends at Harvard Ed Press put it out. Uh, where can they buy it? When can they buy it? It's out now. They can get it through Harvard Education Press or actually on Amazon.com and I don't know where else, but the internet is a lovely thing and you can just look up MeetingWise and be able to track it down. Yep. We also have a link to it right on our DataWise website, which is uh, gse.harvard.edu slash DataWise. The name of the book is MeetingWise, Making the Most of Collaborative Time for Educators. You've been listening to Kathy Bodette and Liz City. Thank you very much for being on the EdCast. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Matt. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.